Hey, I'm Heather, a chaos coordinator and mom of three young kids. Chaos and cookies is literally my life, with never-ending dishes, laundry, you name it. Being a mom is a blessing, but it also comes with hard days too. Together, we can find the humor and real solutions to lighten your load and clean up the crumbs. You're listening to the Chaos and Cookies Podcast. Hello, hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Chaos and Cookies podcast. We are talking menopause today. We have touched on this topic before. It's a very popular subject matter. And I have uh, Dr. Stephanie Fabian, uh, MD, uh, with me today. And uh, we're going to dive into her book. And we're going to try and see if we can uh, look at the like menopause in like a new light possibly. So uh, Dr. Uh, Stephanie Fabian, MD and MBA is the Penny and Bill George Director of Mayo Clinic Center for Women's Health and is Chair of the Department of Medicine at Mayo Clinic in Jacksonville, Florida. Uh, she is uh, She's practiced as a physician in the Women's Health Clinic at Mayo Clinic for over 18 years. She also serves as medical director for the Menopause Society. She has a broad interest in women's health and has evaluated and treated women with menopausal, hormonal, and sexual health concerns. Her research encompasses sex and gender-based differences in disease, menopause, hormone therapy, health, healthy aging, and sexual health and dysfunction in women, addressing questions that come directly from the clinical dilemmas faced daily in medical practice. She's a leader in women's health, and she frequently lends her expertise to the New York Times, Washington Post, Wall Street Journal, CNN, NBC News, and other national media. Please welcome Dr. Stephanie Fabian to the podcast. Hey, thanks so much. I'm delighted to be here. Absolutely. Wow. What a powerhouse. Um, incredible. I'm very excited to have you here uh, and share your, your knowledge and all the fun stuff. Before we do, I will ask you, what is your favorite cookie and or cookie memory? Mm, that's a good one. Um, I think it's Selma's best oatmeal cookies. We had an old recipe in a little paperback yellowed book. I don't know where it came from, but Selma's best oatmeal cookies were indeed the best oatmeal cookies I've ever had. And I really have to go dig up that recipe because I don't think my kids have found it yet. They would, of course, add chocolate chips to it, which it didn't have back in the day. But but yeah, that's that's my my best memory of a cookie. Awesome. And did you bake with your kids? I mean, they're grown, but did you bake back then or do you like to do that on your free time? Oh, for sure. Uh, absolutely. And in fact, I, you know, I moved yet another time and my, my adult children come in and they go, where's all the baking stuff? So um, that is the one thing that has stayed there. Like the last time I moved into my kitchen, uh, the baking stuff was separated all over the kitchen. I made sure this time my kitchen was just renovated, that it's all in one place. So when they come in, they don't have to whine and complain about making cookies because that's pretty much the first thing they do. That's awesome. Yeah, I have a baking bin. And so all the baking stuff's in there. So I can just pull it out and put it on the counter. So no one has to look for it. Oh, that's awesome. That's a great idea. Well, you're not going here and then here and then here. It's all yep. there except yep. for the vanilla. That's it. It's the only thing that's not in there, but uh, then you can just put it all back and put it there and away you go. All Fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. So um, we're talking menopause. So you are guru. You've been doing this for a very long time. Um, when is menopause usually coming 
I know it ranges, but typically what is now the age? Because I've noticed like when I was younger, puberty was hitting earlier. They said mm-hmm. maybe hormones and food, this, that, and the other. So is menopause coming on a different time as well? The age of menopause really hasn't changed that much over the years, although it probably does have something to do with nutrition overall. The mean age of menopause in the United States is 52 years. It's younger in some third world countries that probably have poor nutrition or are affected by war or something else. Um, But mean age is 52 here. Anything over age 45 is considered normal. Um, and you know, most of us are about 95% of us are done by 55 or 56. So that's kind of the normal span. Now, having said that about 5% of women will go through between 40 and 45 years of age and about two to 3% will go into menopause under the age of 40. So that's, you know, seven or 8% who are going to go through menopause earlier. So under the age of 45. Wow. And so the older you are, do you, does it present more challenges than if you were younger or is that vice versa where you maybe have more challenges if you enter menopause in an earlier stage? I would say definitely it's more problematic if you enter menopause uh, in an in the early years or prematurely under 40. That That's a real problem because you should have those hormones during that time uh, for your health, for bone health, heart health, and brain health. And so they're really necessary. And so for those women, you know, we would consider hormones, um, a replacement, actual replacement, because we are trying to replace, uh, the ovary, which failed or was removed early. Right. 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 And so when, um, pre-menopause or perimenopause, is that basically the signs and symptoms? What are key factors to look for? to think like, okay, this might be, it's coming and it could probably last for years, maybe, you know, shorter, obviously it's individual. Yeah. So, so let's talk about, you mentioned perimenopause. So perimenopause is that time leading up to menopause. Menopause is defined by no menstrual cycle for a year. And that's assuming you have a uterus and you can tell if you're having menstrual cycles, but um, so you don't really know you're in menopause until you've been a year without periods, right? So that's how we define it. But women can have symptoms well before their last menstrual period. And that perimenopausal time frame is that six to 10 years before the last menstrual period where women can have some decline in their ovarian function, some decline in their hormone levels, or, or a lot of variability in their hormone levels. So some months may, may be entirely normal. Um, some months you might have some cycle length variation. And as you get closer and closer to menopause, you might start to miss periods. So um, that whole time frame, women can have hot flashes and night sweats and sleep disturbances and vaginal dryness and mood changes, et cetera. But those are the same symptoms that can occur after menopause too. So The mean duration of hot flashes is about seven to nine years. So when women are in my office, I usually say that, you know, if they're bothering you, we need to come up with a longer term solution. This is probably not something that's just going to last a month or two, at least not for most women. Um, So so many times we're talking about needing a longer term solution. For some women, about a third of women, um, these hot flashes and night sweats will last a decade or longer. And we know that they tend to be uh, more severe and more longer lasting for women of color too. Okay. Wow. So there, is there treatment for a flat, like a hot flash? I remember I'm going back because I can't, I will not reveal my mother's age, but I remember she went to through menopause, I believe what well away uh, years ago, but she would, my dad put an actual um, like window unit in the bedroom 
and he's like freezes out and gets frozen out because she's typically very cold and her flat hot flashes were just never ending and it didn't seem like there was anything she could do for them other than crank the AC up. Well, fortunately, we do have treatments available and hormone therapy is still the most effective um, therapy for management of hot flashes that reduces hot flashes by 90 to 95%. And for the majority of women who are under the age of 60 and within 10 years of menopause onset, the benefits typically outweigh the risks. Oh, wow. Okay. So I didn't know that there was something you could actually do for those um, yes, yeah, And for those women who can't take hormone therapy or don't want to, for whatever reason, there are some non-hormonal therapies in general, they're not quite as effective as hormone therapy. And there was actually just a new um, drug approved by the FDA in May. That's a new class of medication. It's a, an NK3 receptor antagonist and it's called fezolinotant. So it's the first time since like the 1940s that we've had a new class of medication approved for management of hot flashes. Wow. I mean, as you can tell, I'm, I'm 38, going to be 39. I'm not there yet, but we talk about menopause. I feel like it's a very hot topic because it's still very misunderstood. So why is that this phenomenon just so feels like there's so many things and so many resources and doctors like you that you would think we get a handle on it, but why is it still so finicky? Well, I think that's a great question. I think there are a number of reasons for that. I think you know, in the past, women haven't talked about it as much. And I think when you look back to the baby boomer generation, they were less likely to talk to their friends uh, about the menopause transition. Um, we didn't know as much about it at that point as well. But now we're, we have a newer generation, we have Gen X, and even the first of the millennials turned 42 this year. So they're starting to enter that time frame. And guess what, they want to talk about it, and they want to understand what's going on, and they want to understand solutions. But also, it's not like, you know, when you we started our periods, we got the talk um, when we were in like fourth or fifth grade in school. Right. There's no discrete time frame where or place or physician's office or whatever, where where somebody's going to give you the talk when you're about to go through menopause. So it's basically the same thing in reverse. There's all kinds of crazy stuff going on in terms of hormones. It would be really nice if we had someone give us the talk. But who's going to give it? Where is it going to be given? at what age should we get it? Um, so there's no consensus on ha- how or when that would happen, right? Sure. Cause you've got, you know, my, my son is fourth grade, so I know it's coming. I've noticed like hair is coming on his legs and I'm like, Oh, stop it. You're just getting so much older. You're only nine. You're going to be 10. It's just, you see those physical changes. And then I was like, Oh yeah, we got those talks around that time. Yeah. And I'm assuming they still do the same. I know that there's been a lot of like social changes and politics that go into schools now, or maybe they do, maybe they don't, maybe they talk about it, maybe they don't. So when you have children, there's childbirth classes. Menopause classes would be great for women. They would be great. But uh, as I said, there's no consensus on who would give them, what information would be given, uh, you know, the, the whole thing's still kind of a mess. So, and there's a lot of misinformation out there. Um, women are often confused because they may get some symptoms and they may get none at all. I, when I wrote the first menopause book published in 2016, I remember my mother asked me, she said, why are you writing a menopause book? And I said, well, what was your experience, mom? I never really asked you. And she said, well, I may have had a hot flash once at a cocktail party when I had a glass of wine. And I went, 
wow, okay, well, that's not what the majority of women experience. So, so it's true. Some women literally have no hot flashes, their periods stop, and that's the end of the story. Um, but that's a lucky few. Um, the majority of us are going to have some symptoms. Um, and, you know, some people may have hot flashes. Some people may have more of a mood disturbance. Some people may have vaginal dryness. So, and some people may have the whole bit, right? All of it. Um, so, so helping prepare women um, is, is even challenging because we don't know what any one woman's experience will be. Um, and so it's hard to predict in advance what it's going to be like for you. So I've actually had women come to see me at the Mayo Clinic, not because I'm a menopause doctor, but because I'm an internist. And they were like, what is happening? I'm having palpitations. I'm gaining weight. I'm losing hair. I mean, they literally think that they're dying or there's something horribly wrong with them. And I say, well, this looks like menopause to me. Um, and, and, you know, the, just the anxiety that that creates about not understanding what's going on is, is, is very problematic for women. Um, but then they might go to different doctors. They might see a cardiologist for their palpitations or a psychiatrist for their mood issues or a gynecologist for the vaginal dryness or a urologist for their urinary leakage. And nobody's putting the whole picture together, right? So you also have physicians and medical providers that are not well informed about the whole menopause transition. So I think we need education all around for women, but also for, for medical providers so that they can better help women during this time. Because guess oh. what? All of us are going to go through this. A hundred percent of us are going to go through this. And God forbid you Google your symptoms, it's cancer and you're dying. Like, right. <laughs> like don't Google it because you won't it's, like it's, it. Can, it can sound really scary if you put it in, you know, and look at it online. Absolutely. Um when now for someone that I've talked about hormone health and stuff, such like that, but there's a lot of health and wellness background. I went to school for kinesiology. Um, nutrition is a huge part. Is there a way to delay menopause? Is there things that we can do now to maybe hopefully move it, move the, move the needle a little bit? Probably just, not. Yeah. Um, probably not. Other than don't smoke there's probably not a whole lot that you can do to alter the time. And even if you smoked, it's probably a few months difference. So, so no, not really. Now, having said that, is it a bad idea to go into menopause in the healthiest shape that you can get into? No, that's a great idea. So, so understand that women do gain weight around midlife. It's probably more related to the aging process than it is due to the loss of hormones at menopause. But women do gain weight around this time. And it's, it's roughly a pound and a half a year for most people. And so understanding that and taking being proactive about that and cutting your calories around this time, making sure you maintain your exercise program will also help you not gain in the first place. It won't help you lose weight, but it will help you avoid weight gain. And it's also good for so many other things, including, you know, uh, cancer prevention and prevention of heart disease and stress management and everything else. Um, doesn't help with hot flashes, unfortunately, but, um, but pretty much helps with everything else. So stress management, all those things that you know about maintaining a regular sleep wake cycle and getting enough sleep, all of those things are so important in midlife and can help you, you know, uh, set yourself up for good health for the rest of your life. Absolutely. And some people will think that menopause is like the end of life for women, but is there a new lease on life for now? Like what, it's just a new stage. Like, should we be seeing menopause as well? That's it. That's it. 
that's not it. That's this is the beginning of what we call the third act. Um, so, so if you think about it, uh, women are spending one third to one half of their lifespan after menopause. That's a really long time. It's also the time when we start to develop chronic diseases like heart disease, which is still the number one killer of women. So again, this is a time to sort of take stock of where you are, what's important. Are you spending your time where you want to spend your time? Do you like your job? You know, is this? Are, is there? Do you want to learn a new language? Do you want to travel you know so I think this is a time to really assess are you doing what's important to you are you spending time with the people that are important to you and are you setting yourself up to to live a healthy life you know in this third chapter absolutely and you said something about um maybe a year without a menstrual cycle so what if these women that are coming to you are on some sort of like IUD or birth control and Mm -hmm. they don't have cycles like IUDs like pretty much eliminate them how do you know when or is with someone with one like that do they experience those does it complicate it is it something that's just kind of sneaks up on somebody like that well you're right because if you have an iud and that's or anything that's impacting your your bleeding um so an iud would impact it having hysterectomy you wouldn't have periods but if you still have your ovaries you will still go through menopause. Um, and if you're on a birth control pill it will alter your bleeding and whether you have a period or don't doesn't tell you anything about whether or not you're in menopause. So, so for those women um, who are in that perimenopausal timeframe, we often just continue with contraception in the form of an IUD or a birth control pill up until the age of about 55, if there's no contraindication to the use of, of uh, any of those agents. Um, and at that point, you know, 95% of us are done, we would discontinue contraception and then see where people are in terms of symptoms. If you just have an IUD in, you might still get hot flashes and night sweats and mood disturbances. You may not bleed, but you might get all the other symptoms. And if you have an IUD and that contains a progestin, that's enough to protect the uterine lining uh, in addition to providing contraception. And sometimes all, all we would need to do is use an estrogen patch to take care of the hot flashes and the night sweats and the sleep disturbances. Oh, okay. Okay. So there's different ways to be able to tell, even if you're not cycling. Exactly. I guess. (laughs) And and then we assume that, that the majority of women are going to be done around 55. Right. Okay. So your new book, um, is like new rules. So what is, what are the new rules? to menopause? Yeah, great question. So the name of that book came around because I had so many women coming into my office saying, I don't understand what's happening to me. And a lot of it was around the weight gain. And they would say, I'm, I'm not doing anything different. I'm exercising the same. I'm, I'm eating the same and I'm gaining weight. I don't understand it. And I would say, exactly. If you haven't done anything different, you will gain weight. And then I say, it's the rules of your body changed and somebody forgot to tell you. So, so that it can be so frustrating, but, but that's, what's happening is all of a sudden you feel like the rugs being pulled out from under you and you don't know how to manage your own body because the rules have changed. So I also flip that and and say, you know what, we do have some control about how we feel and how this stage of life affects us. And so, you know, again, you may need nothing, but if it is impacting you in a, in a not so great way, there's no need to suffer. And I, I see women in my office all the time who have been told that there's nothing that can be done for them, that they just have to tough it out. Um, you know, that, that they they can't use this or that or the other remedy 
but often, um, you know, what they're hearing is, is misinformation. And so I think the message here is that there's no need to suffer. We have plenty of treatments available, including hormone therapy. And, and again, most women are able to use hormone therapy safely. Yeah. I mean, it's all about regulating your diet, hormones, carbs are a big factor, which will yes. allow women to eliminate, um, which are important yeah. for hormone health. And that's a whole nother, you know, ball of wax, but I think we can't, I've talked about this before where we can't eat and do in our fifties, forties and fifties, what we did in our twenties, like a hundred percent, you can't yes. get away with it anymore. No, I see, you know, these teenagers or my kids, so it's like hollow legs and eat. I'm like, yeah, you can't eat like that. Like you have to create healthy habits as you go, because if you were to eat like a teenager, when you're in their thirties and forties, that's not going to help anything. And then especially when you go through these hormone changes that you're really going to kick you in the butt. And you have to tweak things as you go along, you know, so your body's going to change throughout your lifespan. But I, I love your point about, you know, you have to make sure that you have a healthy diet and that you're exercising regularly. All those things are really so important. And it's not like you can take any pill and it's going to fix it all for you. You, you have to put in the hard work too. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, anything that's worth doing is worth doing well. It, very few people can just like get away with doing nothing. So, yeah. I, you know, got to put it the work in. Uh, so where can we find this book? Um, this labor of love of yours. This is your second one. You said, yes. Yeah, exactly. So it's wherever books are sold. Uh, it's the new rules of menopause, the a Mayo clinic guide to perimenopause and beyond. And uh, yeah, I, I'm hoping everyone likes it. Uh, you know, it was a couple of years worth of work, making sure we had all the details right. And, uh, and we consulted all the experts to make sure uh, that we were saying the right things and getting the right message out there. So I'm, I'm hopeful that it will be useful to people. I loved it. When I got it in the mail, I got very excited. I'm like, Ooh, yes, we get to talk about menopause and new roles because I think everything is so I, when I hear menopause, I hear it just, I just think, cause I'm not very, I'm not, I'm not there yet, but I have friends that have gone through it and some are like, Oh, it wasn't so bad. And some are like, this is the worst thing ever. So it's, you know, keeping the conversation going and making sure that we have resources, because like you said earlier, exactly. there's classes, there's no time to talk to. We don't have a fourth and fifth grade class room setting <laughs> to talk about it. That's exactly right. And I'll also mention menopause.org is the menopause society, a lot of good evidence-based information there. And also a way to find a certified practitioner who's actually had to take a test to certify in menopause management. So they know what they're talking about. Um, yeah. but you can find somebody that's close to you. Absolutely. And I really I appreciate the book. I, when I got it, I was reading about it. I was like, I'm keeping like, There's certain books I get when I have guests here and I'm like, okay, this one's on the shelf with the keepers that I will. Awesome. Um, and I really do appreciate you taking the time to be here. Is there anywhere that our, um, listeners can find you personally to follow you, to keep up with what you're doing or reach out if they want to come see you if they're in the Jacksonville area? Sure. Well, I'm at mayoclinic.org, um, but also I'm on Twitter at Steph Fabian uh, MD, and I guess it's not Twitter anymore. It's X, right? So thing, yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, but yes, you can find me there as well. But thanks so awesome. much for having me. X, yes. Thank you for being here and sharing everything that, um, you know, it's a deep dive quickly. And uh, I really encourage the listeners to go and grab a copy of the book. Um, all the links will be in the show notes and uh, please go and check out Dr. Fabian. Um, she is a wealth of knowledge, lots of credentials, 
trust what she says. And Mayo Clinic is like one of the best places you could be. So um, please go and check it out. And we'll catch you on the next episode of the uh, Chaos and Cookies podcast. And thank you again for being here, uh, Dr. Fabio. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Chaos and Cookies podcast. If you want more goodies and friends to share them with, follow the crumbs to the Facebook group or visit the Chaos and Cookies website to grab my sweet secrets on how to calm your cookies. Don't forget to leave us a five-star review on iTunes. See you all next week for another episode of Chaos and Cookies.